Blog Talk Radio. It's the sounds of silence. <laughs> Always. Always on this. It, it, it worked fine last week. Now it's just like, nope. It must be union. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good point. <clears throat> yeah, well, well what say can hello you do? if you can't play the damn opening. Well, the opening's just not having it, apparently. So, uh, hello. We are Wyatt Can't Jump, and welcome to episode 44. I'm Nate, he's TR, and our board decided just to lay the bed on us. Uh, so, board, I know what you're doing. Let's see, does this work? Apparently not. Nope. All right. <laughs> well, this could be an issue. Uh, if the board's not working, we've got problems. <laughs> uh, I don't know what's going on with it. Let's see. Let me try this. See if this works. It's Bush League. Ah. Well, that worked, so maybe we got the bugs worked out. Let's see if this works again. Dummy! Oh, that one's a- Dummy! Oh, there yeah. it is. Yeah. All right. The board's just got on a hangover from Labor Day, <laughs> apparently, because uh, the intro just didn't work. Uh, so we are Nate and TR, and this is Wide Men Can't Jump. And TR, what's up, dude? Dummy! I don't Dummy. know. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't hit it. That yeah, that's you. Start. Hey, now the board's starting to work. You're listening to Wide Men Can Jump on the Wide Men Radio Network, located at blogtalkradio.com slash jump. We're brought to you by the law offices of Stephen P. New, wowfreecam.com, and facebook.com slash makeupkennedy. You can check us out anywhere and everywhere you find podcasts. Now, for the hosts of your flagship program, here's Tom Robinson and Nate Bush. Yeah, yeah, board, we covered that intro. You're a month and a half late. TR, what's up, dude? I'm totally flustered. It's our biggest, uh, <laughs> our, our, our most esteemed, precious uh, guest, an NBA champion, uh, arguably the greatest basketball player in the history of high school college basketball in the enormous state of California that covers a lot of ground, a lot of players. And he and you, you and he, had a long talk today when I was working. Yeah, but quite anyway, a long discussion I'll, I'll be, today. But I guess, uh, I guess you take the good with the bad, so we got a great guest in the second hour. And we got a horrible, unprofessional intro, which keeps us <laughs> keeping it real. You know, here's what I'll say about this. People probably think that we fuck up this beginning on purpose. We really don't. It's not like we're trying. It just happens. Uh, You know, you're you're the producer, and I I just sit here idly. Uh, But anyway, I'm shot out of a cannon tonight. I, uh, no, I'm lying. I'm beat up, but, uh. Maybe I was shot at a Diane Cannon at an old Lakers game. I don't know. But, hey, uh, she was hot in her day, <laughs> by the way. But still is hot. Probably. <clears throat> I put money on that. 
But yeah, the National Basketball Association is right around the corner. And uh, I am, despite my physical tiredness in my brain and my mind and my heart and my soul and my spirit is ready, willing, and able. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. And uh, we're going to be joined a little later by one Jeff Garcia who's coming on to talk Spurs. We promised him last week, and we weren't able to deliver. He had an issue come up. But he is joining us this week, and also you will hear my talk with Tracy Murray, 1995 NBA champion, former first-round draft pick. Uh, Man, really one of the best interviews that I've heard. Not just tooting my own horn, but seriously, we covered everything, TR. We talked high school. We talked college, we talked NBA, we talked overseas, we talked coaching, just anything you can think of. We talked about the Ball family, so you're not going to want to miss that. We had a good time. Cool. Tracy's a great dude. Uh, so, yeah, definitely right stick on. around for that. So, you and I last week mentioned we were going to do a top five best foreign players of all time. Now, <laughs> Hold on here. Guess who forgot to make a list? Well, that's the thing. We both, neither one of us had a chance to really get together and talk about it with your work schedule, my school and work schedule. We had no time to get together and talk about it. None whatsoever. Um, Do you want to delay that or do you want to do it off the cuff? See how professional we are? We talk live on air about what we're going to (laughs) do. Uh, I, I would bypass that till till we research okay. it. All right, that's fine. We will do that. Uh, we will wait till next week. We're sorry if you were tuning in for that, uh, as we will not be able to bring that to you this week. We will bring it to you next week. I promise you. I'm sorry for the delay. It's just been a wild week. I know for Tr and myself, we didn't even know. Um, honestly, we didn't even know until about an hour ago that. The TR was going to be on the show this week, so we're we're calling it in the ring, are we not? Yes, we are, sir. But that's okay because, no, uh, like I said, the season's right around the corner. Uh, NCAA college basketball is right around the corner. And I, you know, not to uh, take a left turn, but I would like to boast on the free show uh, I had Virginia Tech and so forth and. Auburn and et cetera, and gave you all profit without even trying. It wasn't even a serious effort. And even messing around, I was four games over 500 in, in NCAA predictions against the spread. So uh, myself and Tim will be having a show probably Friday night. Keep checking Twitter and yeah, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Snapchat, even though I don't have one, but it'll be on there. 11 to 7, and this okay. week we're, we're going to keep rolling. Yeah, you guys keep rolling with it, and uh, we're going to work out a way to where you guys can get that content to you exclusively. So uh, you're not going to want to miss that as we go exclusive here. Uh, we have begun our Patreon page. If you are interested in donating to the show, we're going to start doing some extra shows to give to you, but only if you're a Patreon. So we will tell you that now. The Patreon account is patreon.com slash wide men can't jump. You can go there and you can donate to our account. 
and help keep the show coming to you and get some free shows out of it. So, I mean, you really can't go wrong. And these are going to be, we've talked about all kinds of shows that we want to bring. It can be any kind of show that you would want to hear. What would you want to hear? Would you want to hear wrestling? Would you want to hear more hoops, maybe college, maybe even local high school? If you live in West Virginia, I can bring that to you. Uh, I do high school football down here, too, so if you ever wanted to hear that, I can do that, too. Um, what do you want? Do you want TR and Tim's betting show, as they're going to be putting together? Do you want more exclusive content on basketball? Do you want TR and I to break down a team a week at a time? Or do you, is there specific things you want? Let us know. You donate, we'll make it happen. We even talked about TR maybe doing a, a story time segment with TR where you, the listener, let us know what you want to hear from us about because TR has stories and stories he could tell. And we'll let you know who who you can hear about from week to week, and he'll tell the stories, and we'll send it to you. Uh, but it'll be only for our Patreon members. Sounds like a plan. We're going to have a great fall, great winter. And let's talk some hoops, Big Nate. What's on the docket tonight? Well, first off, I want to get on my soapbox a little bit here before we get okay. Mr. Garcia to join us. Um, have you heard the news about my team lately? Have you, have you followed this? The Minnesota, the Minnesota Timberwolves. T- Timberwolves would be Nate's team. And no, I have not heard any current updates about those. Uh, well, there Minnesota are two Timberwolves. players. There are two players that we have shown major interest in bringing into the Timberwolves organization. Could you, sir, take a wild guess at the two gentlemen that we want to bring in? Uh, you're looking for shooting, I think, still. Am I warm? <laughs> Let me go ahead and tell you this. Throw all concepts out of we need this guy for this or this guy for this. Just think of the coach. Coach Tom Thibodeau. So they probably have something to do with Chicago or uh, just being – okay. Don't even – not Joachim Noah. That's one. Oh, boy. Not to discredit Mr. Noah, he was a a beast at Florida and had a heck of an early career and had a much notable... I'm not going to discredit Mr. James Worthy either. He had a heck of a career. However, that was then, this is now. True that. Uh, I mean, okay, uh... Who would the other yeah, one be? I, I, I imagine the angle is veteran leadership there. I don't know, but I can't. I can't um, find an angle for it. If you can find one, please let me know. Third generation professional athlete, by the way, if that helps. Yannick Noah and his grandfather uh, played something soccer, I believe. I don't know. Like I don't know, but I know he was. Uh, but will it help us win a title? Will it help us get better? No. <laughs> uh, well, you know, um, it's cold up there in the winter. And, but but you who know, do you, you think Tibdo, Who do you think he would want to bring in also with Joachim Noah? I can't think of who who was uh, who was there besides obviously uh, Derek Rose, but uh, he's already. 
with you guys again. Um, he is. Goodness. I, I will cut the suspense. Yeah. yeah. Just recently, just recently out of his contract in uh, L.A. L.A. Mister Lou, Mister Lou, all dang. Well, dang. Yeah. Uh, I, I, he Ugh. also had some productive seasons in his time. I, if I were, if it were Sixers moves, I'd probably be crushing them. Um, so Ugh. I'm too disgusted. But I don't know what Tibbs knows. With this, I'm too disgusted with the nonsense to bring in and make our team the Minnesota Timber Bulls. I'm just fed up with it. It's it's really getting annoying. The, the fact, like, okay, Jimmy Butler, great. Still a great young player. I'm cool with that. Derrick Rose, all right, Derrick Rose is a good young – He he's a good player. He's had some injury-riddled years. He But, you know, he's a veteran. He's coming off the bench. All right, I see that. Taj Gibson, good veteran player, can still play a, at a basic high level, good defensive leader. Okay, cool with that. There is absolutely no reason whatsoever to bring in Joachim Noah or Luol Dang to Minnesota. None. You cannot convince me otherwise. Joachim Noah has no place on our roster. We have Carl Anthony Towns, who has yet to sign his extension, by the way. That should be over and done with. But we haven't re-signed him yet to an extension. We also have Gorgie Jang, who we've kept. We also have Justin Patton, along with Taj Gibson. We drafted Justin Patton a couple, uh, two seasons ago. Well, this will be his first season. He was he hurt all last year. We drafted him last year. And we're thinking of bringing in Joachim Noah, who hasn't played meaningful minutes in the NBA in a while. Lou Aldang, I'll give you, can still play defense, would be a good veteran. But Joachim Noah, I, I don't see it. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm baffled. We need jump shooting. We need somebody who's going to stretch the floor. We need, we, we've beefed up defensively, but we need shooters more than anything. Hell, bring Kirk Heinrich back while we're at it. Let's grab him. At least he could shoot. I'm just, I, dude. I'm just, I'm just at the point where it's almost like Tom Thibodeau is just like, I know these guys. These guys like me, so they'll, they'll want to keep me around as long as the players like me. I, I just, I don't understand. I don't know. Relating, relating sports to real life, uh, I tend to put maximum effort to a guy that I personally enjoy overhead, but I'm not a professional athlete, so I don't think that applies here, Nate. I think, uh, well, when you're getting paid as much money as these guys are getting paid, you would think they would give max maximum effort always. But as we've seen, that's just not the case. So who knows? I don't know. Maybe if you can explain it to me, give us a call and we'll talk about it. But I, I can't put, I just, it, it, it makes no sense. I don't understand it. And, and you know what? At this point, Tr, I don't want to understand it. I don't like. I feel like this is a kick in the, the everything we've done this off season has been a kick in the nuts, and we we go from making the playoffs to the point now where it's just laughable, where it's just like, oh, this team would be wonderful about ten years ago. It's stupid. I I don't get it. Well, Minnesota has the Vikings. Um, anyway. <laughs> Indeed, they do have the Vikings, but speaking of a Viking of a man, joining us now is our guest, Mr. Jeff Garcia. Jeff, what's up, dude? What is going on, gentlemen? And um, I guess we want to talk everything about 
Kawhi Leonard again, right? <laughs> you know, I, no, I he's, out, talking he's to him. out of the country. Yeah, Thank I you very much. I'm tired of him. I wouldn't care to mention Kawhi Leonard's name, but I'll be honest with you. The first thing I want to ask you is about Manu Ginobili, the retirement oh, yeah. heard around the world. What's what's going mm-hmm. on in San Antonio with Ginobili leaving now? Well, the uh, the pain of seeing him uh, announce that he'll no longer wear those silver and black jerseys is starting to subside somewhat. Uh, there's still fond memories. A lot of the players, I hate, it's weird to say that a lot of his former players now, from Danny Green to just as recently as today, Pau Gasol, are still uh, showing him some love for everything he's done on and off the court. Uh, you take what Pau Gasol said today, basically saying that he was just amazed at the global reach Manu Ginobili had. And then a couple nights ago, Danny Green, just uh, thinking back of his playing days with him, openly admitting that he hated every time he had to sub out for Manu because he wanted to play with Manu. So uh, the love is still there for number 20. It's going to be a while before uh, the, uh, you know, this pain is gone. But when it was announced that he was calling it a day, I, yeah, it stung a little bit for me, but I actually, gentlemen, I was actually happy. I was happy. I thought it was a day of celebration uh, to look back at a fine career. And let me throw this in there, a hall of fame bound career that Manu Ginobili uh, put together during his playing days. Uh, what more could you ask from him? 41 years old, arguably last season was likely the second best player for San Antonio because of Kawhi Leonard and the situation and Rudy Gay getting rattled with injuries. And of course, DeJounte Murray just barely starting to find his own. So, you know, he didn't have any much more to give. Uh, he uh, said during a uh, column that he wrote in Argentina saying that he knew it was over, that he just simply couldn't bounce back anymore from game to game, that it took him twice as long to get ready physically. So he knew his time was coming. And besides, with Timmy gone and TP now in Charlotte, I think it was time the uh, city of San Antonio, the franchise, put an end to the chapter that was the big three. Yeah, that's uh, it, it's it's kind of, you know, I'm from Philadelphia, but uh, you're down there in the thick of things in San Antonio. And yeah. I've always respected that whole um, organization just under pop. Uh, you, you know, you automatically comes to mind, Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, and then a later addition with Kawhi and so forth. And now it's just kind of, it's Aldridge, Gasol, et cetera, et cetera. It's just not Spurs. And, and adding to that, Greg Popovich, it's a, it's a pretty huge deal. Uh, I don't mean to bring up a bad subject, but it's a huge deal to lose your wife um, tragically yeah. like he did. And uh, it's just the more I think about it, the Spurs might the Spurs might be. Uh, I mean, it's obvious they're not they're not as strong as they once were, but mm-hmm. they might be a different team next season. And uh, you know, it's unfortunate. They are a different team next season, but I still uh, want to put it out there, as everybody has in past seasons, count out the Spurs at your own peril. Uh, yeah, they lost Kawhi Leonard, and I'll add more to that list. They lost Danny Green, who maybe didn't get it done offensively, but defensively he was still one of the best in the league. You lose Kyle Anderson, which I think is really going to hurt the Spurs next season when he went off to sign with Memphis. 
simply because he did a little bit of everything, and I mean everything on both ends of the court. wasn't big numbers, but there were steady, solid contri- contributions uh, from Kyle. Obviously, Tony Parker is gone, and of course, Mono Ginobili is gone. So needless to say, it's been a brutal offseason for San Antonio. But the bright side is, it's not that it's not like they didn't get anything great in exchange for Kawhi Leonard. They got DeMar DeRozan, solid guy, you know, uh, career averaging a shade over 20, uh, multiple all-star, still young, uh, under 30 years old. And if Murray pans out next season, who I have pegged as having a breakout season, the Spurs could possibly have one of the better one-two punches in the backcourt with Murray and DeRozan. Uh, they got a young kid, Jakob Pertl. Uh He showed some flashes of what he can do when uh, he was playing last season up in uh, Canada, and the Spurs are high on him. And let's face it, the Spurs needed help at that uh, department in the paint next to LaMarcus. Kyle Gasol, what more can he give you? Davis Bertans isn't really a true big. Uh, he's more of a stretch uh, three, or in this case, a stretch four, five. And then, you know, they bring in a Dante Cunningham. Okay, fine, but, you know, still undersized. They just needed help, and they got that with Pirtle. They'll have Rudy Gay. You still have LMA. That bench has some experience with Patty Mills coming off that bench. And I got to say this much. A guy to watch out for who could be fun under the radar uh, for uh, Spurs fans is a guy named Derek White. This is a kid, uh, he, you know, he's um, seasoned in the sense that he played four years of college. He tore up the G League last year with Austin, led the Austin Spurs to the G League title, put up insane numbers in the G League, and, and of course he showed out in the Summer League. I get it, Summer League, G League, not the same, but he could turn some heads He's a nice combo guard. He's more of a point guard, but he can definitely play the two spot. He's a big guy, 6'4". He has good eye for the ball. He has a crazy basketball IQ. The Spurs are high on him. Popovich openly uh, stated this offseason that expect White to get some serious minutes. So I'd keep an eye on him. Are the Spurs going to challenge the Warriors? No. Rockets, no. But could that be the team that nobody wants to face in the opening round? Whether that be the Golden State Warriors, Houston Rockets, OKC, Thunder, Utah Jazz, you name them. Yeah, I think no team is going to want to face San Antonio. You know, in the trade, they they get uh, Jakob Pertl, who I, I really like. I'm really high on. And I'm really happy that I learned to say his name in the past couple of weeks as well. So I'm feeling good about <laughs> myself. Um and they get DeRozan. Did the Spurs try to push for more, maybe like Fred Van Fleet or Siakam or anybody else to try to add to what they got for Kawhi Leonard? Because while they did get DeRozan and Pirtle, did you feel like that they didn't get enough, which they knew they probably wouldn't get value, but do you think they could have pushed and maybe got Siakam to join join him down in San Antonio? Yeah, I, I think they could have pushed for a little bit more. I actually was expecting – to read Siakam's name uh, when the announcement went out that they had done a deal with Toronto. So before I saw the details, I was like, well, I hope Siakam's in that package. And when it was Pirtle, you know, yeah, it could have been better. It, but I think at this situation, at that juncture in this drama that was Kawhi Leonard in San Antonio, my my instinct from what I was told was that the Spurs just had to do it. Uh, they didn't want to let this linger on. 
the 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 franchise view for Popovich players were just in limbo and he did look Popovich if he can bench Tim Duncan if if he can kick out a guy like Steven Jackson right before the playoffs seasons ago and for him to take this route and say you know what a Kawhi we got the deal we're just going to take it and you know good luck to you he took the high road, and I think that's what he did. I think he just wanted to let this kid, Kawhi Leonard, go. He obviously did not want to stay in San Antonio. That's obvious. He, he wanted to bounce, and he got his wish. Um, now, ultimately, will he land in Los Angeles? Yes. I've been told that that is still his preferred destination, that Toronto uh, is simply just a uh, quick stop on his journey to L.A., and that, that's what I've been told, that he's still all eyes L.A., whether it be the Clippers or the Lakers. So, look, eventually um, it had to get done. I agree with the Spurs to get it done sooner than later. Imagine if this drama was still lingering on right now as you and I are talking. I, I mean, I think it would be the point where it's enough already. Just let him go. And the Spurs didn't want to see that the situation drag on. DeMar DeRozan? That, that's a solid pickup. The Spurs definitely needed help in that department. Mono Ginobili at that time, when he was still a Spur before he announced his retirement, was already long in the tooth. Um, and that was it. That's pretty much all they really had at that two-guard spot. Uh, Derek White was still, you know, uh, you know, thought to be so stuck in the G League, but obviously they brought him in. Uh, Brent Forbes was still in limbo. They hadn't signed him. So when they were looking at that roster right before the trade deadline, I'm sorry, the trade with Toronto, I think that was an area of concern. The two-guard spot, Spurs got that. Uh, uh, they lost defense, yes, but they got some offense, and that being because, of course, Danny Green was part of that package. Yeah, Toronto did def- definitely get the edge uh, when it comes to the X's and O's in this trade. They, they won the deal. And people ask me that, who do you think wanted it? And I say Toronto, yes, but if looking at a totality of everything, I think San Antonio did, not because of the X's and O's, simply because they had to get rid of this guy, Kawhi Leonard. Just just let him go. Now the cloud is gone. The Spurs, the players, the coaching staff, Popovich, do not have to ask, be asked repeatedly, you know, what's going on with Kawhi? What's going on with Kawhi? When you get the canned answers, I'll talk to his camp or the DMP, you know, to, to not play, you know. So, so I think that cloud is gone, and I think that's just a breath of fresh air for uh, the San Antonio Spurs, Popovich. I mean, you mentioned it earlier, and it would talk about a brutal summer for him. You know, he loses his wife. You got the Kawhi Leonard situation. He sees what was thought of as the heir apparent to the franchise just simply say, I want out. And let's not forget, he had to deal with LaMarcus Aldridge, who also wanted out a couple of seasons ago. So it, has, it hasn't been really too great of a time for Popovich, but hopefully brighter days are ahead for him, the franchise, and the Spurs. Yeah, I, I think that uh, I agree with you on who won the trade in the uh, totality regard. I, uh, I think the last time you were on, maybe the time prior, probably the last time since Kawhi became, you know, the biggest story in the off season other than LeBron. Um, but maybe even in some ways bigger because of the nature of the story. I, uh, I'm not a Kawhi Leonard fan. And uh, I mean, I am, 
you know, in 2016, he was, he just gave every impression from work ethic and so forth. And, and what I liked about him is what I dislike now and that he, he doesn't speak. Uh, I had no idea there was another influential person, his uncle, be it in his life. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but my fandom from afar was, was a guy who worked hard, didn't yap, just went out there with his uh, proverbial lunch, ba- lunch pail and, and, played defense and uh, developed his offensive game in, in a great system, et cetera, et cetera. And now I, I just think the guy is uh, batshit crazy or, or something. <laughs> I, 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 I think DeMar DeRozan's a all NBA talent. And, and, you know, in that, in that culture for however long it lasts with Popovich, however long he decides to move forward uh, being the head coach, I think I think as you said in totality, um, it's it's a total win on San Antonio's side. I mean, there, I, I I I highly doubt that Toronto is going to get a full productive uh, top three in the NBA season from Kawhi Leonard. I, I I think he's kind of out of it right now. Maybe he'll shake loose in a couple of years, but right now I don't I don't consider him a a world beater in Toronto, and I I don't think they're any serious threat to Boston. That's just well, my well, opinion. Real quick. Well, okay, go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't mean to cut you off there. And that's the thing, uh, too. I, I get the side of Toronto. Hey, you got to roll the dice. Uh, how often is it that a uh, top five, top ten player is open and available? They had to do it. You know, Toronto was kind of stuck in mud. Uh, the team was, did great last season, but still couldn't get past the hump. And then they, then you hear the sports critics talking head say, well, you know, even if it doesn't work out and Kawhi Leonard does bolt, okay, it starts a rebuild process. I, to me, I just think that it's a cop-out, you know, like it's just a way out. I know. I think uh, the GM for Toronto took a big risk. You traded the face of the franchise. He was called Mr. Canada. He was beloved in Toronto. He, DeMar DeRozan, took it to heart. And he was devastated, and the fans are still devastated. I've gotten messages on social media saying, "Take care of him, you know, you know, don't, you know, make sure he's okay." And not literally, but you know, they're, they're just showing the affection for him. So I'm thinking, right. is is the GM for Toronto kind of getting a pass? You know, like for him, he's looking at it like, am I getting a win-win here? If it pans out and he stays, great. If he bolts to LA, oh, we're gonna start the rebuild process. I mean, you're Toronto fans. You're thinking like, wait a minute, weren't we just the number one seed last year in the East? <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of a quick turnaround. I got I got real yeah. quick, uh, real quick uh, one, Nate. That's just you know, whimsical, if Go you ahead. will. Ma- maybe ahead. Jeff, because I I know from our past conversations that once in a while on Monday night or Tuesday night you'll you'll break from basketball and watch uh, some WWE program programming rather maybe just maybe Manu Ginobili this is all a storyline <laughs> and he was pulling in Kevin Owens and said I quit and then he will run back and power bomb uh, somebody <laughs> on the uh, opposing squad in the season opener to to show that he never really uh, retired but no I, I should never cross our wrestling and our basketball world I can't get it out of my head but yeah, that, that could, be worse. could be worse, T.R. He could pull a pneumonia, be a leech, and say he's going home and then just go to another team that's willing to give him some time, unlike Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, that's because he was coming here. I mean, Jesus, I wouldn't want to come here either. Crazy. But uh, all right. Yeah. We had talked about Kawhi Leonard enough in the off season to where Kawhi Leonard. We need to put a dollar in the swear jar every time we say that name. I know. Moving on. Exactly. From Kawhi Leonard. No more Kawhi Leonard talk for a little while. Lonnie Walker. You posted mm-hmm. an article today, Jeff. I was looking at it, reading through it earlier. Uh, Jeff's a great writer, by the way, if anybody has time as a Spurs fan. I know my buddy Jim Vest out there is listening. Uh, he's a big Spurs fan. So, Jim, check out Jeff Garcia on Twitter. Uh, he's got all the breakdown. A uh, great article on Lonnie Walker talking about what he uh, is looking to do in the upcoming mm-hmm. season. And he said something that makes me love him even more than I did before he came into the draft because I'm a big Lonnie Walker fan. He said mm-hmm. he wants to be – the best defensive rookie in the draft. And that to oh, me yeah. that's that's great to hear from a player. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah. I, I, I think that's great to hear and also I think uh it's a nice little message to Popovich that he's gonna focus on the defensive end which is preached in San Antonio. Look, he's for for lack of a better word right now, he's kind of stuck in a rock and a hard place right now. I love the kid. I got to interview him the moment he was uh, selected by San Antonio in Brooklyn. Uh, a breath of fresh air. Just think the reverse of Kawhi Leonard. Oh, got to put a dollar. Uh, <laughs> and um, and as far as just being a media darling, okay, he, he's he's energetic, he's fun, and he's excited. Now, he's 19 years old. I get that, okay. But at his position, he's stuck in the sense of. He's got guys like DeMar DeRozan ahead of him, Marco Bellinelli ahead of him, possibly Patty Mills, depending on where they slot him. Okay? So you got those veterans ahead of him, and Popovich, he loves them, his veterans. So he can't get enough of them. Uh, so there's a good chance that he can really be testing uh, himself, his NBA chops in the G League. And I think that's what's likely going to happen. Now, if he comes into the training camp bringing that defense, causing headaches for guys like DeMar DeRozan and, and, and Bellinelli and so forth, then the kid has a shot. Look, the Spurs are in rebuild mode. That's what they are right now. This is the beginning of the rebuild for San Antonio, and he's a part of that, Lonnie Walker. His offensive game is there. You and I know he can get to that rim. He can finish with power. Uh He's working on a good uh, shot, a mid-range shot. But defensively, that's where he's going to have to bring it. We saw what he could do in the summer league. I think at least in Vegas, four games, a little over 11 points per game. Not too much of a sample size, but keep this in mind. He did uh, get injured in the later games out in Las Vegas. So uh, the Spurs were just overly cautious and sat him out. So at least in those four games, everybody saw what Walker could do. And they like it offensively. As you mentioned the article, Walker does say his offense can speak for himself. He if he focuses on defense, then then that's a whole that's a, that's a whole other ball game then. Because who is going to be that defensive stopper at that position? They had it with Kawhi Leonard. They had oh another dollar. They had it with Danny Green, <laughs> and they're gone. They had that with with Kyle Anderson. That's gone. So, you re- Marco Bellinelli is not known for defense in his career. DeMar DeRozan, same. Patty Mills is undersized. Who can be that guy that can check 
your Clay Thompsons, your Steph Currys, your your Chris Pauls, uh, your Donovan Mitchells. The list goes on and on. The Spurs are going to need help in that department. So he's the smart guy. If what he said uh, is meant ultimately for Popovich, then bravo, rookie, you're learning fast, and you know how to tap into the sweet spot for uh, Popovich. Do you already got anything else for Jeff? Yeah, I thought I had a technical difficulty on my end. It kind of went silent for a moment. I apologize. Um, I was I was just going to ask a San Antonio related uh, question, not necessarily Spurs. Um, Tony Parker, he covered forever. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, through some wonderful years, great player. Um, at this stage in his career, a new squad, Charlotte. Do you think he makes a, any kind of impact? Uh, locker room presence. Um, yeah. Does he still have gas in the tank, et cetera, et cetera? Is he gonna Is he gonna bring um, anything resembling what he used to be? Uh, anything what he used to be? No. But does he have gas in the tank? Yes. Uh, he re- recall he is the youngest of the Spurs big three. Uh, he says he wants to play two to three more years, so he's already announced his retirement already. He's saying I'm okay. done in a couple years. So everybody's already aware that he's calling it a career in about two, I think it's two or three seasons more. So, uh, but he's going to a great uh, team in the sense of not that they're going to be a playoff bound or they could be a playoff bound team, but in the sense of you got themselves a very young squad. You got themselves a new coach, a young coach, James Borrego, another former uh, Spur uh, assistant coach that is, Kemba Walker, Tony Parker, Malik Monk. Malik Monk and Kemba Walker are over the moon about Parker joining uh, Charlotte. Uh, and I think that's exactly what, this, what that Hornets needed is a veteran guy. That, that team is a baby. They're babies out there. They didn't really have that veteran locker room presence. Tony Parker is that. I think that he will have a good season next year. Why? Because he's Remember, he didn't play a full season last year in San Antonio because he was coming off that surgically repaired quad muscle. You remember the one that was 100 times worse than uh, Kawhi Leonard's and he got raked over the coach for that? $3. And $3. We're up to 3 bucks now. We should keep a running total here. I'm just um, adding it to our Patreon account, Jeff, so no problem. <laughs> so you 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 got to remember that. He didn't really re- – Last season, we didn't get to see what a fully recovered post-surgery Tony Parker could be. He definitely showed that he has the gas in his tank. But with the emergence of DeJounte Murray, uh, you know, the, the Popovich openly admitting that he was leaning on Patty Mills way too much. That may have affected Patty Mills' stats last year. And then uh, Parker was simply being preserved for any postseason run. They played him a bit more, but it just wasn't enough. So you give him all of this offseason, not a deep playoff run for San Antonio last year, a fresh start. Uh, he's playing alongside his uh, French, his, his fellow country uh, in, out in France, Nicholas Batum. Uh, he's familiar with Borrego and his style, playing with him and under him in San Antonio. I think he's in a great spot. I predict that he'll have a better season than he did last year. 
but not much. You know, I'm not, he's not going to be a 20 and 10 guy, but he's definitely going to make an impact for the Hornets. Fair enough. Thank you. Yep. Well, Jeff, we do appreciate you jumping on the show here with us. Uh, not we a actually, problem. I got to t- I got to talk to a former San Antonio Spur earlier today, Mr. Tracy Murray. Uh, I saw maybe that. Maybe you remember remember that name. He got drafted by the Spurs, but I don't think he ever played with them. So, <laughs> I think he got traded to Portland. Am I correct? He did seven days after he got yeah. drafted. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, and we do appreciate you jumping on. You're our guy when it comes to Spurs, and uh, we love your insight, love your enthusiasm. We love you, love wrestling, and. Uh, we love you as three dollars now. Uh, no, I'm kidding. All right, uh, I'm on. I'm on the Patreon account around yet, right now. <laughs> Make sure you let our listeners know where they can find you at and where they can listen to you and read your articles and all that. Definitely go to the Spurs Zone, which you can find at News Four San Antonio and Fox Twenty Nine San Antonio dot com. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff G Spurs Zone. If you need Spurs info, it's, I'll have it for you, and not just myself and my crew as well. And you want to check out Lockdown Spurs, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, uh, simply go to well, pick a platform, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, you name it, the Lockdown Network and Lockdown Spurs is there. Go subscribe and give us a listen. And uh, we just recently uh, produced, uh, out, well, we launched live a, a new Lockdown Spurs focusing on the new spur, Quincy Pondexter. So go check that out over at Lockdown Spurs. Well, Jeff, thank All you right. so much. We really appreciate your time. And, uh, hey, one last thing. Who's winning Hell yes. in a Cell? Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman. Ooh. Uh, I'm going to go with Roman. Boo. I knew I was waiting. I was thinking, who's going to be the first one to boo me? <laughs> Only Nate. Only Nate. Just me. No, nah, I'm kidding. All right, gentlemen. It's all good. Thank you for the invite. I really appreciate it. Anytime, all Jeff. Right, Jeff. Have a good night. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. That was Jeff Garcia, our man on the Spurs. And we're going to take a quick timeout. We'll be right back right after this. Personal injury, automobile accidents, workplace accidents, mesothelioma, social security disability, unfair insurance practices, family law, employment discrimination, all these things and more can be helped by new law offices. Stephen P. New will fight for you and your rights. Mr. New, what is there to do if you're in an automobile accident? When car wrecks happen, insurance is always involved. Did you know that in West Virginia, we have the highest percentage of uninsured and underinsured motorists driving on our highways? That means that when you're in a car wreck, your attorney needs to know how to work with your insurance company to maximize the compensation that you'll receive. If you've been in a car wreck, Call me, Stephen P. News. For your free consultation, call 1-888-692-8084 or visit newlawoffice.com. Stephen P. New will fight for you to get you where you need to be. He's a proud sponsor of our program, and Mr. New is a stand-up national and local attorney. Stephen P. New, attorney at law, answers to your legal questions. And we're back. Again, thanks to Jeff Garcia and thanks to our sponsor, the Law Offices of Stephen P. New at newlawoffice.com. TR, I believe, sir, we had about seven teams left on good offseason, bad offseason. What do you say we dive into that and finish up? 
Sure, sure. Um, well, re- really quickly, uh, I think I told you off air. Go ahead. But Go ahead. On air, on my end, up here in um, the land of the del- the land of the delusional uh, Philadelphia. Um, well, first we were uh, given permission to talk to three GMs, so um, maybe Brett Brown will stop spinning around and around and around uh, pretty soon, but. Made in America, Meek Mill, Philadelphia's own, performed uh, on Saturday. And as I've teased before, uh, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid both feel in their own oversized ego and minds that the 76ers are their team. We're both spotted at Meek Mill, but weren't together. Seed planted. Mm. Watch for that. Watch for that in the first quarter of the season. On a tough loss, when people start pointing the finger at each other, it's kind of like Nate Bush and Tom Robinson at a wide men can't jump or at a basketball game, but are sitting (laughs) way far apart. (laughs) People would start asking questions, would they not? They really would. So they really would start asking. Keep that in mind, Sixers fans. Keep that in mind. Yeah, definitely, definitely keep that in mind. Um. Well, all right, TR, here we are. We left off with your 76ers. We did that, and we know how you felt about it. Uh, let's go ahead and go. We're here with the Phoenix Suns. They bring in Trevor Ariza, Rashawn Holmes, and a trade with the Sixers, Darrell Arthur, and a trade with the Nets. Then in the draft, they get DeAndre Ayton, and then they, they steal Mikael Bridges. They get Ellie Okobo and George King all in the draft. They lose Jared Dudley to the Nets. Alex Lynn signs a deal with the Hawks. Alfred Payton goes to the Pelicans, and they waive Tyler Eulis and Allen Williams. And they re-signed Devin Booker to a contract extension. So good offseason, bad offseason for the Suns. Although I think uh, Mr. Ayton is a bit overrated, uh, I'd say definitely a good good offseason. Even down to Rashawn Holmes, who I've watched, uh, he's always been behind Embiid, uh, Okafor, Noel, you name it. Um, but he has spurts. He has uh, glimpses of, of brilliance, of rim protecting and uh, athleticism and so forth. If he gets in the right environment, uh, you know, by no means will he be all NBA center, but he might be a guy who can who can give them some quality time. So I say good offseason. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I, I like what they did. Uh, re-signing Booker, he's going to be the face of the franchise. You bring in Aiton, overall number one. Not crazy about him, but still not bad. Uh, Mikel Bridges, they steal him from the Sixers. Um, really liked that move. And they unloaded some Alex Lynn, and I think they've been needing to do that for a long time. So I'll say good off season. The Portland Trailblazers, they bring in Seth Curry, Nick Stauskas, both free agents. Uh, they draft Am- Anthony Simons and Gary Trent Jr. They lose Ed Davis, Shabazz Napier, and Georgios Papaginis. And they re-sign Yusuf Nurkic. TR, good offseason, bad offseason for the Blazers. Bad. Um, And, you know, Nurkic, say his name, anything with an IC, you know, with me. But, uh, (laughs) <laughs> Anytime you add Nick Stauskas to to any team in the professional level, it's a bad move. And and uh, the, uh, if you just 
you know, put the players that went and came, uh, I might be inclined to say good. However, um, Portland kind of maxed out last year as far as their potential getting a third seed with the outstanding backcourt, which will remain the same. But they, they really, I don't think they addressed the needs to get over the top. And they didn't break up the duo to make any any kind of rebuild. I kind of I, I think they're just kind of hanging there. So I, I wanted them to make some kind of aggressive move. Uh, I'd say bad off season, just my opinion. I'm going to say bad off season because they're a team full of guards. They have one big guy, yeah. and that's Nurkic. Everybody else is, you know, everybody. Anthony Simons, Gary Trent Jr., Seth Curry, C.J. McCollum, Damian Lillard. That's five guards right there. Who's going to play uh-huh. the three? Al Farouk Aminu? Uh, I don't know who you're going to put at the four position. You lost Noah Vonley. Uh, it makes no sense. I mean, Nurkic can't play two positions. I just don't understand. Stauskas isn't that good. Uh, they lose Davis, who was a presence inside. I I just don't like the offseason for him. So I'm going to go bad offseason as well. All right. Sacramento. Sacramento Kings. They bring in, uh, through the back door, Nemanja Bialicia, free agent. Yogi Ferrell, free agent. Yeah, you liked that, didn't you? Uh, they bring back Ben McLemore. They get Deontay Davis, both in a trade with the Grizzlies. They get Marvin Bagley in the draft. They lose Garrett Temple to the Grizzlies. They did not re-sign anyone. So good offseason, bad offseason for the Kings, TR. Uh, slightly good, I'll give it. Um Marvin Bagley has the potential to be a big time player. I mean, that's not free agency or anything. It's just in their uh, number two draft position, but uh, they didn't have any real earth shattering people to lose, so to speak. A very young team akin to the bulls. uh, But as people think we're crazy because you and I are both high on the bulls potential not quite sold on the Kings' young talent yet. I think they'll be a couple years away, but uh, slightly good. I'm going to go bad just on the fact of they didn't bring anybody in that's really going to change the culture. Bagley's a good draft pick. Ben McLemore, been there, done that. Yogi Ferrell's glorified backup. B. Alicia has been disappointing in his pro career. Um, De- Deontay Davis, eh. Nobody coming in to me, TR, that even remotely resembles a winner. Maybe Bagley. That would be it. So, I'm going bad offseason. They're still relying on De'Aaron Fox, uh, Buddy Heald, Willie Cauley-Stein, guys like that. Zach Randolph is still there. Uh, Vince Carter did go to the Hawks. So, uh, the Kings are just – the Kings are a mess. They've got young talent. It's just going to be, uh, can they put it together? And can one of them finally become a superstar? That's going to be your issue. And then when they become one, will they ever stick around? So, I uh, I don't know. I'm not sold on them. Uh, all right, moving on. The team we just talked about, San Antonio. They bring in Marco Bellinelli, free agent. Dante Cunningham, free agent. They get in the trade with the rappers that we talked about, DeMar DeRozan. Yaka Pertle. Uh They draft Lonnie Walker and Shemitsi Metu in the draft. They lose Kyle Anderson, Danny Green, 
put a dollar in. Kawhi Leonard for the Raptors in the trade. And Tony Parker goes to the Hornets. And Manu Ginobili retires. They did re-sign Rudy Gay, Brian Forbes, and Davis Burton. So, TR, good offseason, bad offseason for the Spurs. I got to hedge it kind of like I did when we were talking to Jeff in that in totality down the road, it's a, a good thing, uh, primarily with DeMar DeRozan coming in. Um, that's a lot of big names gone. As much as I dislike uh, one of them that I won't say because I don't want to owe a dollar uh, and his <laughs> uncle. Um it's it's really tough to tough to say good with the with the gravity of the names that have have departed, but um, I, I just say in the long run, good good off season. I'm going to say good off season because they got rid of a guy this off season that if they wouldn't have got rid of, uh, he would have walked. So anytime you can do that and make a trade and actually get some talent back that's got a three year deal, I mean, yeah, I say you do that a good offseason uh re-signing Rudy Gay that's pretty good drafting Lonnie Walker I liked um you hate to see Ginobili retire but he was getting long in the tooth Parker was just kind of there um you know you lose uh the guy that's going to cost me another dollar so I'm not going to say it uh so he's gone now you got that bad bad mojo, bad juju, whatever you want to call it, out of the locker room, not Juju Smith-Schuster from the Steelers, but the the bad aura that is around uh, Kawhi, yeah, there's a dollar. Um, so, I don't know. I, I think that uh, – I think they had a good offseason, so I'll agree with you. Did I, t- did I it- tell you about that? Go ahead, buddy. Go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I was going to move on. Go ahead. Did I, did I, did I tell you about that? crazy mix-up I had one time where I mistakenly wore out my my Rudy Gay jersey and uh, I stumbled into a pride parade. Boy, was that an ugly result. You're something else. You know that. (laughs) (laughs) Weird things happen, man. Well, we go from one team we talked about to another. The Toronto Raptors, they bring in the guy that's going to cost me a dollar. Danny Green and Greg Monroe. Kawhi Leonard, yeah, there's the dollar, is the guy I'm talking about. They do lose DeMar DeRozan and Jakob Pertle in the trade, and they waive Alfonso McKinney, and they re-sign Fred Van Fleet. TR, good offseason, bad offseason. With a capital H, horrendous, because also they lost the coach of the year. Put a fork in them, boys. Uh, that guy's going to be nothing but trouble, in my opinion. So, bad. I'm going to say it was a good off season for this season only. If Kawhi Leonard leaves, bad off season. So, this is one of those. Um, you can look at it from both perspectives. Fred Van Fleet, the re-signing was good. Uh, the losing DeMar DeRozan, kind of shaking things up. I don't like the trade as much, but if Kawhi Leonard decides to stick around, yeah, I know, a dollar. Uh, it's a good off season, So it'll all depend on ne- – we'll have to wait until next the end of next season to figure out if this off season was good or bad, as weird as that sounds. 
at least in my opinion. All right, we only got a couple teams left here. The Utah Jazz. They bring in Jarius Lyles, free agent. Nas Mitaru Long, free agent. They draft Grayson Allen, the hip checker of the 21st century. They lose Jonas Jerkabo, but they did re-sign Dante Exum, Derek Favors, Raul Nato, and Georges Nyang. TR, Jazz, good offseason, bad offseason. Good offseason. Um, they didn't lose very much at all. And the early indications are that something that I doubted highly, that Grayson Allen can play at the NBA level. So, I say good. We'll see. Still not sold on Grayson Allen. That's just me, though. All right. We have one more team. One more. The Washington Wizards. They bring in Thomas Bryant, who they claim off waivers. Jeff Green, free agent. Dwight Howard, free agent. They trade to get Austin Rivers. They draft Troy Brown and Usuf Sanon. And they lose Martin Gortat and Mike Scott in the trade with the Clippers. TR, good offseason, bad offseason. Uh, that's kind of tough. Um, I guess I'd lean towards the good. Maybe Dwight Howard's got something left in him. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I, uh, just to get Dwight Howard and uh, to get another point guard that's halfway decent uh, with Austin Rivers, he's not going to tear the world apart, but he's uh, he's not the worst thing ever. So I think the – Pretty good offseason. They unload Gortat, who's getting old. They didn't make any bad moves. I think they should have gotten rid of Otto Porter, but, you know, who who really knows on that one? Maybe maybe they will as things go on, because I think Kelly Oubre is going to be the guy going forward uh, there in Washington. But for now, good offseason. I just don't think the Wizards did enough, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. That was my, that was my pause there. Um, maybe they have something in the in, in the works. Maybe there's something in the back of their mind. Maybe because they did the, take Troy Brown as well, uh, another guard. So they're really beefing up that guard position. So we'll see what happens. But uh, right we'll take on. one quick. We we'll take a quick timeout here. That was good off season, bad off season. So hope you guys enjoyed that. We finally got it finished. Took us three weeks, but we got through every team and graded their off season on our scale here. Be right back right after this. I'm too sexy for my love, too sexy for my love, love's going to leave. WowFreeCam.com is the number one cam site on the internet, and they are our gracious sponsors, and we want to invite you to check them out over at WowFreeCam.com. Anything you could imagine and whatever you want is just one click away if you go to WowFreeCam.com. What's some of the things you could check out over on WowFreeCam.com? Motorboat? Play the motorboat? You Or you could be into Two chicks at the same time, man. Whatever it is that you're looking up for, WowFreeCam.com will leave you with one reaction and one reaction only. You won't want to miss out all the fun going on at WowFreeCam.com, so be sure to show them some love and go over. Hey, it's in the name. It's all free. Must be 18 or older to access the website, but make sure you get there as quick as you can to check out all the fun going on over at WowFreeCam.com. Again, must be 18 or older to visit. 
Again, thanks to our sponsors, WowFreeCam.com and the law offices of Stephen P. New. Without them, this show could not be happening. Well, TR, as they say, it's main event time. Cool. All right. So earlier today, I had the pleasure of talking with Tracy Murray, former NBA player, for first-round draft pick, world champion. You name it, he's done it. We go through his career. We talk about his career we break it down. He gives us some really cool stories, really interesting talk. Now, in the I had to break this interview into two parts, so you may hear a pause in the middle. If you do, don't worry about it. I'll be starting the second part right up. So this is kind of a long interview, so you guys stick around with us. T, are you going to stick around and listen to this? I'm absolutely going to listen to it, but uh, I'm going to go tend to some other things um, while I'm listening to it. So if you oh, if, absolutely, I, if you want to, if you want. If you want to wrap up solo, and I want to uh, just say to Tracy, if he if he's listening or if he ever hears this, uh, thank you, sir. I apologize for not being part of it, and uh, hope to hear from you again in the future. And I'm stoked to listen to Nate and you talk. All right. Well, here is my talk with Tracy Murray. Hope you guys enjoy it. Well, joining me joining me right now is Tracy Murray, retired NBA basketball player, spent 12 years in the NBA, former assistant coach, uh, world uh, world champion in 1995, now UCLA Bruins analyst. Tracy, thank you so much for giving me some of your time today. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Not a problem. Not a problem. So let's just uh, we'll talk a little bit about your career because i know uh some fans are familiar but maybe our younger fans don't really remember you uh in high school you averaged 44 points a game uh if my research serves me right on that yes at least as yes, a senior. senior right um that is the highest total ever in the state at the time in three years uh in California. So that's a pretty good company there. And then you go on to play at UCLA. What was it like playing at UCLA uh, while you were there? It was a, a dream come true because growing up in the Los Angeles area, Pasadena to be exact, uh, UCLA basketball was always something I watched and supported on the local channel. Uh grew up watching Marcus Johnson and Richard Washington and guys like that. Uh, then followed them through the Reggie Miller era and and, and watched closely uh, during my, my recruitment. And it, it was something that I've always wanted to do and, and, and go to the school and play for. But, you know, like, like anybody that's been recruited, um, there are some schools that were very intriguing that, that – uh, might have changed the focus for a little bit, um, but but I ended up at UCLA. What were some of those schools that maybe might have changed the way you were looking at things? Well, my top five schools that I that I had to choose from was UCLA, UNLV, Louisville, Villanova, and New Mexico, and and the reason being with all of these is. UCLA was to stay home where the local fan base and my family and everybody can, can support close. 
UNLV, I grew up with Stacy Augman, and it wasn't that far away, and they just, you know, they're just about to win a national championship. Um, Louisville, a lot of people don't know this, Allen Houston is my cousin. He had originally signed at Louisville to play underneath Denny Crum, and his dad was the assistant coach, Wade Houston. So when Wade took the Tennessee job and Allen got out of his letter of intent, that kind of wiped Louisville off because I would have loved to have played with him. Um, <clears throat> Villanova, I loved Roley Massimino. Coach Mass was a was a tremendous guy, uh, great personality, great coach. The Big East was, um, at the time, they were grabbing a lot of the West Coast best players. And so that was something I considered with, was Villanova because of Coach Mass. And uh, Coach Dave Bliss was at New Mexico at the time, and Scott Duncan was the recruiter. He was one of the head recruiters back then. And New Mexico was one of those places that I, I admired because uh, I grew up, you know, knowing Michael Cooper, grew up in his basketball camps. That's where he went to school. And I just looked at that was a possible school to go there, maybe put up some nice numbers and leave early if I wanted to, and, and also be able to play with a great center, Luke Longley at the time. He was their center. He was their guy. And I would have been able to play a year or two with him. Well, um, one more question here about but your high school days, because my co-host is a big Philly fan, and he's from Philadelphia, and he would love what you're saying about Villanova, big Villanova supporter. And uh, But he wanted me to ask you, in high school, uh, 44 points a game senior year, that must have been uh, impressive to the females, I'm assuming, as you were a senior in high school. <laughs> you know what? I, I was so focused as a, as a senior in high school. Um, I had come out of – you know, we had the Nike camp back then. You know, they have all these camps and stuff and yeah. and, and different uh, uh, exposure um, leagues to play in with these uh, these shoe company um, sponsors teams nowadays where you can get more, uh, more visibility. Back then, Nike camp was our visibility. And I, I come off of a camp where I was on a team where I didn't touch the ball very much. So most of us that year from California, they billed us as being a disappointment to the camp. So I came back upset that things didn't work out there. I wanted to prove myself amongst the elite. It didn't happen the way I wanted it to. So I got back in the gym and started working my tail off, and I was motivated. And my dad put some – we both came up with some goals – and we put them on the wall to where I can see them every day. In order to be a McDonald's All-American, which I wanted to be and I ended up being uh, in 1989, I had to lead the country in scoring. I had already averaged 31 a game the year before, so I had to average over 40 points a game. I had to win a state championship, be state player of the year. I put all of this and it was pretty lofty goals. Um, and, and if I had led the nation to scoring, did all of that, then they couldn't deny me in, in the McDonald's All-American game. So I made it. I, I, the only one that didn't get accomplished was winning the state championship. I got there, though, 
had 64 and 19 and we lost. Um, but it, it's like you have to make people notice you in order to get what you want. And, yeah, the ladies were noticing, but I wasn't noticing them because I was on a mission. Well, I understand that completely. Uh, and it's good that you had your goals, and that really helped you move on to the next level. And 64-19, goodness, what a what a game. Can't say you didn't at least <laughs> try to get that state title. <laughs> My goodness. Um, I tried. Uh, you know, 64 to 83 points, and we lost by six. So, I tried, but there were there were you know you look back at the game and, and it's like still tons of stuff I could have done better for us to win. Yeah, yeah, and I mean even if you never if you never win that state title, you're always wondering what could I have done different to get it. But uh, I think you turned out all right. You go to UCLA. Uh, overall, you average eighteen point three points a game, six point four rebounds, uh, an assist and a half, and are named. Uh, Pac-10 all-conference team twice. As a junior, you averaged 21.7 rebounds and amazing percentage, 50% from three to get to the Elite Eight that year. What changed from the sophomore to the junior year to help you really explode and get that shoot the ball so well and score that much? I don't I don't think much changed from sophomore to junior because I averaged 21 a game both years. One was 21.2 and one was 21.4, I believe. But the the difference was efficiency the next year. Um, was trying to do it in the least amount of shots in order to sacrifice for the rest of the team to get their shots so we can go far in the uh, that year. Um, you, you can't – when you have a team full of scorers, you, everybody's got to be happy at some point. And, and we had over – six or seven guys on the team that averaged over 30 points a game in high school. So you're already coming into a situation where you need more than one ball. So if you can be more efficient with the touches, then that leaves other touches for, for teammates and guys on, you know, that, that need shots that are working hard on the team as well to keep a better balance offensively. And I think if, if we all, and, and this even includes me, if, you know, if we all sacrificed a little bit more with that team, I think we could have won the national championship because we had 10 pros on that team, 10 NBA players. Yeah, that's just a, a crazy amount of of players to come off of one team. And um, after your junior year, you declare for the 1992 draft. Um, before we talk about the draft, you leave UCLA – Number five spot at the time in all-time scoring. So you had a year left, but you're still number five in scoring. So that's pretty good company. Right? Yeah. I, I mean, I went through, I went through the all-time leading scorer stuff in high school. So you know, to stay one more year and do it again, I, I don't think. I mean, it would have looked good individually to be the all-time leading scorer at UCLA, um, but I had to look at it like this. I just come from the Pan American team. I was on the USA team. I thought I had a clear shot at the Olympic team, but they brought in Dream Team, so that killed one motivation to stay in college. Yeah. Another motivation that 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 was killed to stay in college was I didn't see us winning the national championship with the team that was coming back. I felt our chance was with that team that just finished in the Elite Eight. 
So that was another motivating factor to leave. And then plus, you know, you always look at double and triple teams the next year, numbers dropping, stock dropping. You know, my stock is at its peak right now. It's time to go. So it, it just made more sense to go than to stay at that point. Yeah, the Pan American Games, I was going to bring that up. Uh, USA team gets a bronze medal in Havana in 1991, and uh, this, right. was, this was the year before the Dream Team, for some of our younger listeners that may not uh, remember a time before professionals were allowed to play. You had to be in college to play on the Olympic team. But then the Dream Team changed that, and, and I'm glad you brought that up as a factor for leaving because that's a, an interesting time, especially in uh, international basketball. But um, right. Yeah. So you go to the NBA. Uh, you're selected on draft night. Uh, first round, 18th overall selection by the Spurs. Uh, and then seven days after the draft, you're dealt twice in the same day, first to Milwaukee, and then you end up in Portland where you will spend quite a bit of time, uh, 1992 to 1995. What was Portland like, especially coming out of UCLA, uh, being in California, you go to Portland, and now you're a professional. And what's that like? Well, it was a rude awakening for me to have been a starter all my life to not playing at all. I, as a 20-year-old coming into a grown man's game, and I'm not really mature enough yet mentally to accept sitting on the bench, to understand this team just came from the finals against Michael Jordan. That Coach Adelman had trust in these 10 guys that are ahead of me. That was hard for a guy like me to accept, especially when I was doing pretty doggone well in training camp and in preseason and in practice. And I felt like, you know, I might've been in the rotation at least Uh, for that not to happen. It was, it was, it crushed me. You know, we didn't have a G League back then where, you know, I can go stay sharp, uh, go down and take my frustrations out on somebody. I was on a team where we rarely practiced because these were veterans, guys that's been on, you know, on that team or in the league for over 10 years. Jerome Kersey was 10 years. Buck Williams was over 10 years. Clyde Drexler was over 10 years. Terry Porter was over 10 years. It's like you had – the core, Duckworth was over 10. You had the core of our guys over 10 years. So they're not going to practice every day. So how does a young guy get better? It's more than three-on-three. It's more than just drills. I just felt like it was a rude awakening that I wasn't ready for individually. And they say, be patient, your time is coming. But if you're too patient, your time never comes. So I worked my tail off. Uh, the second year, I had an opportunity because Jerome and Clyde were hurt a lot that year. So I had an opportunity to play a little bit. I led the, the league in, in three-point field goals uh, percentage that year. Um, so now I'm kind of on the map a little bit that, that I can do something in this league. And then there was a coaching change. PJ comes in, has a whole different role, mentality, and everything else. And it didn't work quite right 
for Clyde Drexler and myself. And you know, there was a couple other players that you know were pretty upset with the with the change as well. But PJ made a uh, and then me and PJ are good friends to this day, and we're very respectful. That was just you know something that just didn't work from coach to player, and um, we ended up being traded to Houston after that, in which. You know, they needed a shot in the arm. And Clyde provided that shot in the arm, our energy, our hunger of wanting to win a championship, and they just came off a winning one. Um, Both of us as individuals needed that, and Houston needed a shot in the arm, and it ended up up making magic there and winning the back-to-back championship. Yeah, you guys, uh, you and Clyde Drexler are both dealt – to Houston in exchange for Otis Thorpe, uh, Markello Nicola, and a 1995 first-round draft pick. I'll let you at home decide who won that trade. Uh, <laughs> but you get the championship. You get the championship in Houston, uh, and congratulations on that. Even though you know here we are so many years later, but that's something that even you. you know some people never get, and I think that's a great accomplishment. Right. Uh, it's truly a blessing. But after, truly a blessing. It is. It is. It is, and then uh, on November first, nineteen ninety-five, you sign a contract with the Toronto Raptors expansion team, and you go up there to Canada, which is actually where uh, our other co-host lives. He's a Canadian, and they loved his Raptors, so uh, he was really excited that you came on the show. Um, you average sixteen point two points per game, uh, one point six assists, and four rebounds in the best season of your career, uh, going. Uh, at that point, what was it like playing in, in Toronto up in Canada? Cause we've had Toronto guests on, they talk about how people up there, they think it's a hockey town, but they love their basketball. So what, what was Toronto to you? Did they treat you well? They treated me great. Uh, I didn't want to leave the year afterwards. Um, there was some, some unfortunate circumstances when it ca- came to the business, which made me leave. I did not want to leave. That was my best year as a pro. I love the city. I love the coaching staff. Isaiah's my he's my big brother. I didn't want to leave him. Um, but in, in that situation, to to rewind for a second, after the championship, that expansion draft took place, and I was protected by Houston. So I'm thinking I'm going back to Houston. They're going to resign me and things were going to be cool. We're going to go, you know, for three. Something happened where after the expansion draft, the teams are made, Houston decides, I don't know if it has something to do with my agent or what, but Houston decided they're not going to resign. So now I'm just stuck out there again. Everybody else is in training camp. I'm sitting at home working my tail off, and and there's no deals being done. So – you know, my agent was trying to get more money out of Toronto where, you know, they were working with a half a salary cap because of the, the new rules. They didn't want expansion teams growing like Miami and Orlando did. So they wanted to slow the process of that down. So, you know, I'm stuck with a, a minimum slot, which was 250 at that time, and it's very expensive to live in Toronto, you know, tax-wise and everything else. So... I was stuck with go overseas, 
never be heard from again at that time, that's, that was the case. They never reached back to guys uh, that was overseas at the time. Um, or stay here, take a nice pay cut, and stay and reprove myself. And I gambled on myself. I gambled on staying here and reproving myself. And I came in to training camp a couple of days before the first game. The first game was Saturday against the Nets, and I came in on like a Thursday, Wednesday night, Thursday morning. And I came in there like gangbusters. I came in there. I didn't care who was on the team, uh, what spots they had. I just looked at it as an open opportunity for everybody, and I'm coming to take what's mine. And, and you know, working with Damon Stoudemire, who was a rookie of the year that year, and he was the franchise. He was the star. And, and that number two spot was open for anybody. So my goal was to get to that number two spot. And it took a while. I came off the bench. You know, I was being considered for sixth man of the year. I was considered for, for most improved that year. Um, <clears throat> but – you know, when when placed in the starting lineup, that's when everything took off. Um, I averaged 22 as a starter, got an all-star vote from a coach. I don't know which coach did, but a vote. And and to me, that was enough. You know, it was, it was like, okay, I, I am finally here. People know that I'm here now and I can play. And wanting to re-sign with the Raptors was my 100% goal. But when I was told that I would get the same salary that I did that year for another couple of years before they can reward me, I couldn't. I couldn't gamble on that. You know. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't gamble proven. on that. And then, and, and then, one, yeah, I, I proven that I can play, and I proven that I, I was worth it, and I proven that I, I was durable. I played all eighty-two games at forty-something minutes a game. And so, you know, it was time to be rewarded with with a contract so I can help my family. You know, so yeah, I I, I and I I was I was communicating a hundred percent with Isaiah during that time. I was like, hey Isaiah, Washington offered me a seven year deal for this much. Isaiah was honest. He said, look man, nothing I can do right now. Take the money, and and, and take care of your family. That night after he told me that, I called my parents, I called my agent, and and honestly, I was crying because I did not want to leave. I fell in love with the city. The city fell in love with me. I, they were the first city to embrace me and, and, and really support me. So it was really hard to leave that. And... uh Every time I came back to play them afterwards, I didn't play well because at the time I was I was playing well against people that passed up on me in the draft and teams that did me wrong. It was like an vengeance type of deal. It was a, a, a you know, I want to kill somebody type of deal. It was hard for me to come back to Toronto where I felt good and come back and play well. You know, it was just a tough, tough deal for me. Yeah, like a middle but I ended up being in, Yeah, yeah, it was it was but I ended up moving on to Washington after that. <clears throat> yeah, 
Yeah, you go to Washington, uh, the Bullets, Wizards, whatever uh, people want to call them now. Some people remember them as the Bullets. Some people know them as the Wizards yeah. these days. Um, last year, the Bullets into, and, and the first three years yeah. of Wizards. That's that's when I played with them. The last year, the Bullets, first three years of Wizards. Yeah, so you get back into the playoffs with the Wizards. Uh, in three playoff games, uh, you average 18.3 points a game with three rebounds. And that uh, is a big step uh, up from the last time you had really gotten to play a lot in the playoffs in Portland. Um, so that those were great numbers in Washington. And uh, probably the most notable thing in Washington with your career was February 10th, 1998. Uh, Golden State Warriors, uh, Tracy here scores 50 points in a game, only six. Seven other players for the Washington franchise have ever done that, and that includes Gilbert Arenas, Michael Jordan, Bradley Beal. So good company you're with. Uh, watched highlights of that game the other night, and the the basket looked like it was ten feet wide for you. What was you What was uh, going through your head as you see the numbers creeping up? You had already uh, passed your season high that uh, by halftime. Right. Um, that night was uh, it was really. It was a crazy night because it happened in the same arena that I had 64-19 in in the state championship. So I always walk into that building with a little bit of swagger, a little bit of confidence. And, you know, the ushers were, uh, you know, I was walking around, the ushers were saying, we don't want 64 tonight. And, you know, they always remind me of it. I was laughing about it. So I was real, real loose about, you know, the way I went about my business that night. I knew Juwan Howard was hurt. I knew Chris Weber was hurt. They needed scoring. There was going to be a lot of shots and a lot of minutes. And it, it, I knew going in that I was going to start. And I said, you know, this is the time to play free and not look over your shoulders. You know, every other time that I played, it was, you know, I missed two shots in a row. Just look to the bench. Somebody's coming in for me. You know, so that's a different type of pressure to play under. So this is a night where – no one is coming to sub in for you. Just just go out and play. And got off to somewhat of a slow start, but once that first bucket went in, uh, me and Rod Strickland were really clicking that night. Yeah, and uh, hand in the face, three-point jump shot, mid-range, under the basket, it didn't matter. It was going in. Uh, and it was they playing, were playing the way I defense. did in high school. Yeah, I played yeah. the way I did in high school. Didn't didn't worry okay. about the defense, didn't worry about shots, uh, just went out and played. It's amazing what a player can do when they get in that zone and they just play. Uh, it's scary. Right. right. And, uh, well, everybody <laughs> in the NBA, especially back when I played, the 12th man was good enough to start on certain teams if he had the right opportunity and if he felt free. Um, ben Wallace – comes on our team in Washington and barely plays. He played a little bit that night because no Jawan Howard, no Chris Weber. But he he rarely played, you know, that first year that we both were in Washington together when we were the last year of the Bullets. Barely played. He barely played the second year. Played enough to gain interest from Orlando. And once he played a lot of minutes for, for Orlando, then he gained the interest of Detroit. It's like all you need is a shot. Be out there for a little while. Feel comfortable. Then you can feel your way into the game and impact the game in your own way. 
So uh, everybody's good enough to play in the NBA, but everybody can't play because of the numbers and the politics. Yeah, uh, and uh, I noticed, uh, I watched a little bit of the highlights of the game. You get up, you have 49 points, you go to the line to shoot the free throws, and you miss the first one. What <laughs> should was have that been 51, like? yeah. It should have been 51, but yeah, it should have you been missed 51. the first yeah. one. <laughs> and I know I and watched I hadn't John missed Howard. missed the free throw all night. <laughs> yeah. Hadn't missed the free John throw all Howard. night, and I decided to miss that one, yeah. I see Jawan Howard and Chris Weber grab their head. They're dying for you to get 50, which you get on the next uh, free throw, which was, which was a great accomplishment. That's uh, something that, you know, m- most NBA players never get to do. So uh, so you finish out yeah, the rest truly, of your career. Truly a blessing. In- oh, really? It definitely was. And you really showed your skill that night. Um, you finish out the rest of your career. You get end up, you go to Denver for a little bit, and then you go back to Toronto. And you get to go to the playoffs again with Toronto. Um, what was it right. like coming back to Toronto now? Well, it's a total different situation now. Instead of Damon and I being the stars, now it's Vince Carter. It's his turn. And, you know, I understand that he's the guy, and I'm not trying to come there and take what's his or ruffle his feathers or, or anything like that. It's a totally different team. And now you have veterans on the team now too, like Charles Oakley, Dale Curry, uh, Antonio Davis, who was an all-star that year. You had Alvin Williams, who's been there for a while and established himself uh, there. You had rookies like Mo Pete, who who came in, and he was trying to establish himself. Uh, later on that year, you had Chris Childs join, join us. So it, it, it's like you had a different team. Keon Clark was coming into his own, and he came in the trade along with me uh, uh, from Denver. You, we had tons more talent, and 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 everybody was capable of carrying their load. So it, now it's back to, okay, let me find out what my role is and just try the role to contribute as much as I can within whatever you know role is given to me because it's not even the same coach anymore. It's not Brendan Malone. It's Lenny Wilkins, and, and sometimes when you come into a situation. You know, coaches have in their mind what they think you can do, and you're just going to be put in that that box. And so, you know, and, and that that happened with like Toronto, the Toronto situation as an expansion. They don't throw you in a box. They need people to come out and and, and take what's theirs because we're already an expansion team. We're expected to get smashed all year, so we need people to step up and show what they got. So so we can try to win basketball games. Jump out the box. Be be who you are. When there's established veterans around, now the boxes come along and they put you in the box and you just have to maximize the box. And you know, and so so that was the difference between the first time in Toronto and the second time in Toronto and, and we had so much talent, we we're well coached, um and you have to sacrifice in order to go in the playoffs and, and, and play uh, play well enough to to extend your stay in the playoffs. If I could have told you back then that Vince Carter would still be playing in 2018, would you have believed it? <laughs> well, at the time, I wouldn't have because, you know, he had some nagging injuries because of playing a lot of minutes back then. His knees were bothering him a little bit. Um 
So I wouldn't have thought that he would have lasted this long, but to see how he sacrificed after leaving Toronto, he didn't get the minutes that he was getting up there, you know, playing him almost the whole game. Uh, Then he comes to New Jersey, and his minutes are cut a little bit, but he's still very, very effective and still a star in the league. Uh, Then he goes to Dallas, and then they cut his minutes a little bit more. So he is able, with every place he goes and his minutes get cut, he is able to last longer and longer. But you also have to give him credit to his off-season regimen and, and staying in shape and not having major injuries which enabled him to last this long. I've never seen a guy his age that can put the ball through his legs and dunk it. He still can put the ball through his legs and dunk it. He still is a a great athlete for his age. And oh, when yeah, you he, have that type of yeah, you have that type of athleticism, you can last long. Yeah. I wish I could do what he does at his age at my age right now. I'm twenty eight years old. I'd love to be able to do what he does. <laughs> I, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that in my prime, and he's doing it at forty. That's it's insane. Uh, after it Toronto, is. though, you get to come back home. You go to Los Angeles, uh, dealt to the Lakers with Kareem Rush. What well, that has to be a good feeling to get to play for. I'm assuming the team you grew up loving, the Los Angeles Lakers. After you spent so much time there, you're from there. Went to UCLA. What was it like going to the Lakers? Well. The crazy thing about that is I had to break that trade. Uh, I was doing a a, a draft. Uh, I was analyzing the draft on the Fan 590 up there, the local radio station, and I had to break my trade on air, which was a tough thing to do. Number one, I did not want to leave Toronto. Um, it is my second home. I still go there often. Uh, I didn't care if it was L.A. I didn't want to leave. But knowing that I was going home, knowing that we were going for potential fourth championship in history, making championship in a row, um, I was looking forward to that challenge. I was looking forward to my parents being able to sit in the Staples Center and watch me for 42 games. You know, that just the family being around, being being at home, sleeping in my bed, you know, and not paying rent in another city. You know, a lot of people don't know that that's another reason why people get drained. You know, they have rent and bills in another city that that you have to pay for. I didn't have to do that for that year because I was home. So, um, it, it was a it was a gift and a curse, so to speak. The gift was all of that being around home, but the curse was playing for the Lakers, playing for Phil. And Phil is Phil wasn't he didn't communicate with me at all. Um, I respect him. I respect his championships. Um, I just didn't think he dealt with me too well. And and I'm a type of guy. You tell me what to do, I'll do it. You tell me that I'm going to sit on the bench. I'll be the best cheerleader in the world if I know that that's what I'm going to do. If you tell me, you know. You're not going to play very much. You're going to play maybe every eight, nine, tenth game, or when guys get hurt. I can be prepared to do that. So when I'm not told what my role is, then it's a little bit harder to accept. So I had to pretty much tell myself, "You're not playing 
at all this year. Go play and practice. Practice hard. Be positive. I became the comic relief guy in the locker room and on the bus. And, you know, if there was something funny in practice, and you know, just, just, just try to be happy, go lucky, and keep a good energy around there because I didn't want to disrupt what they have. So, because um, it's not about me. It's about winning a championship. So, with that sacrifice, just try to be as positive as you can. Now, it didn't stop the fans from saying, put Tracy in. It didn't stop people from going to bother Phil when he was driving in the loading dock about putting me in the game. Um, it didn't stop people from asking me the whole year, how come Phil doesn't play you? That that right there was the thing that that bothered me the most because I don't have the answer to that. You know, I didn't have the answer yeah. to to why I, I, I didn't I, I didn't get to play as much, or why was I left off the playoff roster, or you know, these these people in L.A. They grew up, you know, uh, they saw me grow up there. They they know what I can do. They know if put into the game what I can accomplish for that team, and, and they know how much I love the Lakers and grew up watching and wanted to be a part of it. So for for that season to go down the way it did, it was kind of a disappointment. And then for us to lose to San Antonio that year and not make it back to the finals to have a shot to win for, it was a it was a disappointing year. Yeah, it's always tough when when that happens. Uh, one season in L.A., then back full circle, back to Portland for seven games, and then finish yep. out with the New, the New York Knicks. Um, October twenty seventh, they waived you, but you didn't stop playing there. Most people may not know this, but you went overseas and started playing. Um, a little bit later in your career, uh, retired from the NBA in 2004, but spent some time in Greece, uh, France. Um, I'm trying to see any more places you may have spent some time no, at. Gre- um, Greece, Greece for two years and France for one. Okay. Well, what was it like playing overseas? We've had some overseas players on before. Um, they have their story. But what's it like going – and they're all trying to get to the NBA, but what's it like going from right. the NBA to the international game? How big of a change is that? Well, well, my mentality was a was a little bit different going over there. Um, I did want to like I could have went to the Philippines and played over there for more money. To me, I still wanted the competition. I was still eager for the competition, and the best competition was in Europe. So I wanted to go to Europe. I told my agent that's where I wanted to go. So I ended up signing a deal with Panathinaikos, which was the best team in Greece. If you don't sign for Panathinaikos or Olympiakos, which is their rival. Um, it's really not worth going to Greece because now you're dealing with financial issues with teams, uh, not knowing when you're getting your money, and you're going a long way for people to be playing with your money. You know, and, and uh, I had to deal with that my second year. The first year with Panathinaikos, fantastic. Class organization. I played for one of the greatest coaches in the world, Coach Abradovich. Um, learned a lot of things. My team ended up going to win the European championship that year um i wasn't part of the team as they went to win the championship because our center daryl middleton got sick and they were looking for a big guy to replace them so they went and got lonnie baxter 
And I told them, look, Lonnie Baxter is my size. If you need me to play the four, I'll play the four. But they didn't believe me when he got over there, and they realized that he was my size, and they didn't really use him. But he ended up getting credit for the European Championship being on that team, and I didn't. So that was kind of a bittersweet. You know, I enjoyed the team. I enjoyed my team, and I enjoyed that whole experience. But to be, you know, sent home for or replaced by Lonnie Baxter, and then they win the European title, that that's my title. You know, so I was pretty upset about that. But I did enjoy that experience with the team and 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 the culture and living in Athens was fantastic. Um, but then I come the next year. And I play for Pauk, which is in the Saloniki. Which the Saloniki is beautiful, um, gorgeous place to live. Wake up to see water, um, but the team had financial issues, and I was told, and they were extremely young too. I mean, we must have had uh, two seventeen-year-olds, five eighteen-year-olds. It's like you can't win with a team like that. So. Me and Alton Ford, who used to play for the Phoenix Suns, were the Americans on the team. And we were told to do the best we can to try to win, but help the coach mentor and teach the young guys how to play. So did that to the best of my ability, and they fired my coach around Christmas. Now, they didn't tell me I wasn't expected to be back. So after Christmas, I jumped on the flight to come back. I was also coming back to get my payment because they hadn't paid me the month before Christmas. And and that was a real bad experience. Um, I didn't get another check from them. They turned off the electricity. They tried to steal the car. They turned off the heat. When you start being treated like a dog, it's time to go. Wow. So I left. Yeah, so that's, that was a very unprofessional situation that I had to deal with. Yeah, uh, and that, that's a shame that you, you have to go through things like that. Uh, that's, right, that's that really far away from home, away from your family, yeah, it's, that, that was bad. So, so you know, now it's like I'm never going overseas again. You know, I retire. I don't want to play anymore overseas because it left such a bad taste in my mouth. Um, then I get a call from a good friend of mine went to Pepperdine with Doug Christie. His name is Jeff Lear. Uh, He played 10 years in France, speaks fluent French. And uh, they just had a guy that had gotten hurt. And we were practically the same player. So he said, man, come play with your boy. I'll negotiate your contract. I speak fluent French. And, you know, just just get on a plane and come play with me. I told him, I'm not in, in, in pro shape. You know, I'm I'm just been playing a little bit of pickup games. And he said, doesn't matter. Come over here. You know, you'll be in shape in no time. So I went over there, played with them for a couple of months. Um, we were in first place. The French league is like being in the NBA. That's why you see a lot of French players come over here and succeed. The style of play is open the court up, pick and roll, uh, athletic transition type of game. Uh, that's why I see French players excel in the NBA because they play the exact same way over there. Um, I enjoyed the style of play. I enjoyed the competition. I enjoyed my teammates. I just had an issue with the coach. Um, 
He was really overboard. And I don't have issues with coaches. He was really overboard with what he did, um, some of the stuff, and which caused inner fighting with the team. Now we're in first place, and and you got the French fighting the Americans, the Americans fighting the French. It just and it was created by the coach, and it just didn't make sense. So um, one day it just blew up, and me and the coach got into it, and before you know it, I got replaced, and and. You know, and I told him, I said, I said, look, you know, if you need to worry about game plans and and preparing the team instead of worrying about. He's one of the guys that don't like talking during stretch. I think that's very. That's the time when teams bond. You're stretching, you're talking. You know, how's how's your kids doing? How's your, you know, everything good at home? You know, you bond. You don't want to sit there and be a robot and not say anything during stretch. That's how. That's when you know players get their minds right for 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 what they're doing um, before practice. It, it's a bonding period, and he missed a boat on that. And you know he 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 was so concerned. He 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 thought that I was conspiring to turn the team against him in some way. We're winning. We're in first place. Why would I do that? It just didn't make sense to me. And so his focus was completely wrong. And I think he was in over his head for that job. Yeah, it seems that way. It seems like they hired somebody that should be coaching the, you know, the buddy league and uh, have them come in and, and coach the team if he's going to act that way about it. Because, you know, when you're stretching. Right, right. But but see, the, the, this is the issue sometimes. It's like you get some hot shot former NBA players that come over there and they act a complete a-hole sometimes. And they think that every player – it's coming over there to act that way. I'm a very disciplined. I'm very coachable. I'm not one of those guys. You tell me what to do, I'll do it. And, I, and I'll do it to the best of my ability. I'll run through a wall for you. But, you know, you, you can't treat me like I am that guy. I'm not a, you know, that's like treating people like a criminal. You know, everybody's not a criminal. But you can't teach, you can't treat everybody like the criminal you dealt with. You know, it's just, yeah. you just can't. You gotta, you gotta judge people based on how, you, how you treat each other. Everybody's yeah, on an individual basis, right? So, that's the issue I had with that coach, and that's the only coach I really had an issue with in my whole career. Well, you go from having the issue with that coach, and then you become a coach. Uh, you right. were an assistant coach and mentor for the Bakersfield Jam of the D League. Spent some time yep. with the WNBA, with the Tulsa Shock, and then eventually right. you become one of Brian Shaw's assistants, or excuse me, Byron Scott, excuse me, Byron yes. Scott's assistants yes. with the Lakers. Um, how was coaching? Did you, did you enjoy coaching, and what level did you enjoy the most? I enjoy coaching because it's, it's paying it forward, it's giving back what you know. Um, we have far too much knowledge of the game and uh, know-how and experience to not pass it forward to to the youngsters. You know, why not reach back and, and give it to them? Um, but the problem is the players have got to be open to take the teaching. And I, I think they were open in, in the G League. It's just that at the beginning, it was the D League at the time, at the beginning – 
there wasn't as much talent. <clears throat> you had, you know, street ball legends and, and people like that trying out to make the team. Um, so, you know, at the beginning of a franchise, it's a little bit difficult to coach and get people to understand structure because a lot of these guys didn't have structure. They just think it's a, a glorified pickup game. There's structure in everything you do when it comes to professional athletics. So they struggle with that. Um, then you had the WNBA, which um, Teresa Edwards and I came into a situation where she was the assistant coach. They fired Nolan Richardson, and then they promoted her to head coach. And, and Teresa and I were, were really good friends, and like a brother-and-sister relationship. We had just come off of an opportunity at Basketball Without Borders over in, in Africa. So we've, we've grown, grown to be really, really close with our experience over there. And she called me in to, to help her assist that situation. And those women were broken at the time. And Nolan Richardson really broke those women down, and they were very emotional and sensitive and, and not confident in their abilities. And that was some work. You really had to kind of massage them a little bit, uh, get their confidence back, you know, help them get their swagger back. And and once they got their mentality back and a little bit of a confidence back, then you can coach them. And by the time the end of the season came around, we were playing pretty doggone good. And we even won. We knocked the Sparks out of the playoffs. Um, they had a game. They had to beat us on their home court, and we had gave them the mentality: "Hey, become a spoiler. Don't let anybody make the playoffs on you." So the shock went out there and won that last game, and they they were playing so much better at the end of the season. We wish we would have had them at the beginning. And then to well, slide uh, into the uh, Lakers situation, um, I was called in to be. Uh, the shooting coach. So I worked a lot with Julius Randle. I worked with Larry Nash Jr. Um, and, and when you know, and that was a good experience. And and Byron doesn't just want you to be pigeonholed into one situation. He wants you to be. He, he wants to train you to be a coach. You know, so if you get a head coaching job that day uh, in the future. He wants to help groom you for that. You know, so I went from being just a shooting coach, just working with people shooting, to being uh, an assistant, you know, actually in there, uh, skill developing, sitting in coaches' meetings, learning schemes and stuff, to, also, to, to finally getting a scout. I had a scout, you know, the, the, the Brooklyn Nets, and – uh, Paul Pressey gave me that scout, and I did well with the scout, and we won the game. And, and you know, just to go through that whole process, and I grew so much within that time as a coach, uh, to be let go at the end of the year was very disappointing, especially when um, the mission at, at the beginning of the season was don't worry about the record, develop these kids, you know, make them compete, and continue continue to grow the team. And I think that's what we did. You know, I just think that the kids that were there at the time, um, you know, one or two of them weren't buying in to what was being taught. 
And if you don't buy in and you buck the system at such a young age, then, you know, especially with a with a veteran coach that's, that's been to the finals, that's won four or five championships as a player, you've got to listen to this guy. He's only going to teach you the right way of doing things. And, uh, you know, clearly, you know, those players were on their own page and he thought they knew it all. So it, it made a, a, you know, a short stay for me as an assistant coach. I did notice Julius Randle's jump shot got a lot better as the year went on, so that that explains a lot. Uh, well, well, what happened was we worked, and, and what I wanted to do with him is he has fast feet. He can get by anybody once he squares up and puts his mind to it to put the ball on the deck and go to the hole. He has extremely fast feet, but he has small hands. So what I wanted to do, was slow his foot, slow his footwork down, slow his shot down because once he slowed down, he can knock down a shot. And, and I wanted him to be like Sam Perkins or like a Zach Randolph. You don't see them rushing their jump shot. They give you know they'll jab fake you, jab fake you, and then a slow release. But you know if he's going fast, then his shot's going to go everywhere. So it, his feet were a lot faster than Zach and Sam Perkins. So if you slow your shot down, they have to respect your your foot speed. Now you can take your time on your shot and knock it down. So before All-Star break, I had him shooting the basketball better. There was even a game that I charted where he hit five jump shots, two threes and like three of them from, from 18 feet, and he was hitting his free throws. So he was on his way. And then after All-Star break, he came back and he didn't work as hard. And then there was some other shooting guy that was hired that went totally against what I was teaching him. So now you mix the kid up. Now he doesn't know what to do. You, when you have somebody teaching you shooting, it has to be one voice in your You can't have ten voices or two voices in your head telling you different things because it confuses you in trying to improve your shot. That's true, and and, um, and his and his agent brought that other shooting guy in. It's amazing what happens when you combine a suit with uh, a sport sometimes, and you'll end up with things like that. Not just in basketball, but all sports. Uh, right, too many right. corporations getting involved. But uh, now right. you're with the and UCLA too many too many too many, com- too many computer people getting involved too. You know, they have no time on the court. <laughs> so how can they teach you how to play if they don't have that experience? I just heard my co-host in Philadelphia scream thank you because he is uh, he was against the Sam Hinky era of tanking and all that. He can't stand it. Too many computer <laughs> people. That's what he said. So you're going to be one of his favorite people in the world now. Um, <laughs> but now you're with the UCLA Bruins Network. You're an analyst for the basketball team there. Um, what's that like? Are you enjoying your, your job there now? Yeah, I, I, I've been enjoying that for, for over – this is going to be my 10th. 10th or 11th season now. Um, I was doing that before being hired with the Lakers. And and then I took that one year off to do the Laker thing and then um, went back to it. Thank goodness the door opened back up. Um, I've always enjoyed being an analyst, whether it's on TV with ABC7 here in Los Angeles doing NBA analyst stuff or being on the road with the UCLA Bruins doing the color 
for for them on the radio. I, I really enjoy doing that. Uh, plus, the seat is a lot cooler, <laughs> a lot cooler than being a coach. Um, Definitely. But yeah, uh, but but to the the thing sometimes that's hard is once you've worn that uniform, know what those four letters mean across your chest, understand the program and what Coach Wooden has has established there and the level that you're supposed to play at and what you and the expectations of being in that uniform. When you truly understand that and to see less than that, then that can be a problem sometimes as an analyst that's actually played there. And there's been a couple of seasons, you know, a couple of seasons in the Highland era, a couple of seasons even in this era, where, you know, it's like, all right, this is below what is expected for UCLA. And, and when that when that happens, it's a little bit tougher to be an analyst at that time because there, you don't want to be negative, but then at the same time, you have to be an analyst and address what you see or else you lose your credibility. Yeah. So so that you have to walk a fine line of of that. Um but I but I really do enjoy walking in the Pauley Pavilion every day for for work. Uh, I do enjoy that. Well, since you've spent so much time with UCLA, I got I got to ask this question. Lavar Ball you had any interactions with him as a controversial figure as he is? I, I've been knowing LeVar Ball for years, um, and, and I really I, I like his family. I, I like the kids, you know, his, his brothers and parents and wife and everything. I've been knowing him for years. Um, do I agree with some of the things he's done? No, but not everybody's going to agree with what people do. Um, but what we all have to understand is, this is his family, these are his kids, and he's going to do what he thinks is right for them. Um, yeah. Is he supportive? Yeah, I love that about him. He's very supportive. He's very hands-on and active, and, and he's being a dad like he's supposed to. Um, do I agree with some of the tactics used or, or things said? Um, you know, no. Pulling, pulling, you know, his kid out of school, but that's not my that's not my problem and it's not my business. So when I'm asked about it, I just give my analytical opinion about it. It's not a personal uh, attack on LeVar or his family because I like them. It's it's more of a, would my parents do it? No. You know, would my dad have done some of the things? No. But we're all different. So it's not a good or bad thing. It's a it's not a right or wrong thing. It's a being different thing. Some of the things he's doing is groundbreaking, but maybe he could have done it a little bit differently and still been groundbreaking, and it wouldn't have, in my opinion, might have hurt his kids. Might not have hurt his kids, you know. Yeah. So um, it's it's it, it remains to be seen what happens moving forward after everything that's been done uh, with him. And, you know, how long will Lonzo last? Will he last past uh, the rookie contract because people don't want to deal with him? Um, will he settle down enough to where LaMelo might get a shot? Because LaMelo's talented. And the kid is about 6'5", 6'6", now playing the point guard. He's extremely talented. Uh, 
But will they want to deal with him to deal with LaMelo? It's like there's a lot of things uh, uh, that, that, you know, I'm interested to see what happens in the future because I, I think his his kids are, are talented and I wish them the best. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't wish bad luck on anybody, and I understand where oh, you're coming anybody. from. Oh, on anybody, no. I, I, I'm not a negative guy. I don't I don't wish bad bad luck or ill will on anybody. I want everybody to do well in life. Yeah. People I don't know, people that even hated on me, I don't care. I want people to do well. That's just how I, I'm built. That's how I was taught. Well, we really do appreciate you uh, coming on the show with us. You didn't have to, but you did, and you know, we've been fans. I've been a fan for years. I've, I've watched all games. I grew up watching the NBA as a kid. So I remember watching you play. And this has been a real honor Thank to talk you. to you and have you on on the show here. And, and really do appreciate your time. Uh, and really hope we can have you come back. Maybe we'll talk a little college basketball because I'm a West Virginia Mountaineers fan. Uh, we don't usually run into UCLA, okay. but we can. That's my boy. I'm, I'm from the West Virginia area. So that's uh, Huggins is my guy. Uh, well, we used but, to have a training camp in West Virginia when I was with Washington. Oh, yeah. What part? I didn't know that. Uh, it was a small town, a small college. I forgot uh, where it was. Uh, uh, we, probably, had, we had training camp out there a couple of times. Probably. It might be. Could be Shepherd, maybe. It might have been. Know. It might have been. It might that's, have been. A, that's, up towards, that's up towards D.C. area. But... Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm a southern part of West Virginia. My co-hosts again are from from Canada and from uh, Philadelphia. So this uh, little venture here, and we really do appreciate you coming on seriously. And I do hope you well, can come uh, back. We'll talk NBA, NCAA, whatever. Oh, I would love it as would well. And uh, yeah. thank you so much for giving us so much of your time. I'm sorry I took so much of it. It's just never get to sit no, down and talk to a, a guy on, I watched on TV. So thank you so much, and uh, I hope you have a good rest of your day. And really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me and look forward to the next time. Can't wait. Thank you. And if you want, let our listeners know where they can find you on Twitter and uh, keep up with you. At Real Tracy Murray on Twitter, at uh, Real Tracy L. Murray on Instagram, and Real Tracy L. Murray on Facebook. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's Tracy Murray. Tracy, thank you so much and uh, can't wait to do it again. Thanks for having me. Take care. You too. That was my conversation with Tracy Murray, former NBA player. It was a long one, I know, but I hope everyone enjoyed the conversation, and I hope you've enjoyed this edition of Wide Men Can't Jump, the flagship show is back. This is episode 44. We want to thank our sponsors, the law offices of Stephen P. New at newlawoffice.com, wowfreecam.com. Thank them very much, and hope you check out our sponsors. Show them some love. Without them, we wouldn't be able to have this show. Really hope you guys are planning on listening in uh, to Tim and TR. They did the picks last week. Could have won you some money if you'd have been uh, – Picking the uh, bets they threw out, they went uh, had a good record, so check them out. The Patreon account is up, patreon.com slash wide men can't jump. Please check that out. Consider donating to the show, and uh, you'll get some free, you'll get some bonus shows when you donate. 
we do want to thank you guys all for listening. Thanks to Jeff Garcia for joining us. Thanks to Tracy Murray, who we hope to have back in the near future. You can check us out on Twitter at Wide Jump. We're on Instagram at Wide Men Can't Jump. And we got a Facebook group. Just let us know if you want in, and we'll add you on Facebook to our Facebook group. We're talking all things hoops, uh, wrestling, anything you want to talk about, it's open. Uh, again, thank you guys so much for listening, and we hope we can be back soon. He's TR Shock on Twitter. I'm at MMITM Nathan, and Tim is at Tileman68. Be sure to check us out. Tim and Tom will be back this week with more shows. We'll all be together once again for the Sunday Night Roundtable, so don't miss that. Everybody, check out the shows. Share them. Rate us. Leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you what you like, what you don't like. Um, and follow us anywhere you can, and let us know how we're doing. Really hope you guys enjoyed the show this week, and next week we'll be back. More hoops talk, more basketball. Until then, I'm Nate for t- my co-host TR and Tim Dombrove up in the Great White North. Peace! Thanks for listening to this show on the Wide Men Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com slash jump. You can download this and any other episode from our network at iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Pod Paradise, Google Play, Player FM, and anywhere you find your favorite podcast. This show has been brought to you by the Law Offices of Stephen P. New at newlawoffice.com, facebook.com slash makeupkennedy, and wowfreecam.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at WideJump. You can follow us on Instagram at WideMenCan'tJump and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash WideMenCan'tJump. Please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Also, rate the show and tell us how we did. If you love us, please give us a five-star rating. Again, thanks for listening to this episode on the Wide Men Radio Network. Tune in, same time, same place, for the Wide Men Radio Network at blogtalkradio.com slash wide men can't jump.